Well, good morning. Oh, it's a great morning. And I woke up this morning and I said, hey, the weather's changing. It's changed. It was a cool morning. Aren't you grateful for fall? You know, because summer, you know, we're kind of like the three bears. You know, some of us are like, it's too hot. It's too cold. And it's not always just right. But, you know, we, we tend to do that. We tend to, uh, you know, greet one another uh, with, how you doing? Hey, it's wonderful outside, isn't it? The weather's so wonderful. And we, we just kind of do that. That's kind of the natural way that we uh, have conversation with one another. <clears throat> we just kind of, we talk about the weather. We talk about sports. Uh, we talk about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this year, that sort of thing. Sometimes we do that. And uh, <clears throat> But uh, there's another way that we speak to each other. It, it's much more spiritual. So so there's a natural way that we speak to one another, and there's also a spiritual way that we speak to one another, and also that we are spoken to, and we're going to be looking at that this morning once again. It's great to be with you in the house, uh, worshiping the Lord together, and spending this time as a, as a community of faith, just sharing uh, together. It's wonderful to be a part of a great group of God's family. It's wonderful. I, I, I like almost everyone. Now, I like all of you. No, I'm just messing with you. Uh, it's, it's just good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning, vis- waiting upon the Lord for his visitation this day. We're in a series called um, More Than Words Can Say. Often the word is sharing with us, it's speaking to us as we read it. it there, there's, it's saying more than just mere words can say. It's not just about the, the actual meaning of the word, but there's something that goes beyond just what we read that reaches to a deeper place than just how we process what we think of maybe bread or water, and today we're going to be looking at water. We're, we're in this series. Last week we talked about bread. The Bible is bread. The Bible describes itself as, as bread. It is the bread of life that nourishes us, that gives us the, the sustenance that we need to stay spiritually healthy, just as, as, as if we eat. We, how, how long, you know, can we not eat and survive? You know, there, there, there's a limit. There's a limit on how far we can go. So God is our daily bread. He's our sustaining bread. He's our true bread. That, that was all from the word last week. So you see, the Bible is our daily bread. It's something that we should take in every day, our sustaining bread and our true bread. When I was a very young boy, I was taught a little song. Uh, it seems like they taught me everything in song, but it, it was just there. And, and it, it reminded us what we think about the Word of God. And we used to just sing it, I don't know, it was probably in junior church on our way to camp for all I know. And we just kind of went like this. Well, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And it was too short, so we had our own stuff. Yes, God will never fail, never. No, we, we just had a lot of different stuff that we would add to it. But the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, God's Word, I, I stand on it. it. It reminded me, these songs, they reminded me that uh, I stand on every word that's written in it, and it is the bread of life. It is the sustaining bread, and it is the true bread. Today we look at how the Word is not only bread, but it's water. You, did you know that the, our, the, the Word of God is water? It's okay. You can say yes. It's all right. We understand how bread represents food, and, and bread is what nourishes us, and it gives us our daily strength that we need, or whatever it is that we eat doesn't have to just be bread. How many of you just eat? We don't just eat bread these days. We eat a lot of different things. Some of us a, lot, a little more than we should, and I'm working on that. I, I got to let go of some of this, but, you know, got to cut out some of the bread. Not this bread, but the other bread. I love bread and butter. Don't you love bread and butter? <laughs> God made all of that, <laughs> especially butter. <laughs> got to cut some of that out, but not the Word of God. It represents food. The bread does. 
and it nourishes us. Now consider this, how long could any of us really live or move or have our being, as the word says, how long could we do that without our daily calories of food that we need? If we were exerting the energy that we do each day and we just stopped eating, how long could we live without bread or food? Most of us, or most of those who know such things, who, who, who understand the science of it, the experts, they say somewhere in the neighborhood of between 40 and 80 days. Really? 40 and 80, I'm, I think after about two, I'd be, my stomach would be saying, hello, I'm down here, what's going on? And I can't imagine 40 to 80 days, that, that's wild. There, and there's a lot of cases that run somewhere between 21 and 60 days without any food. But <clears throat> beyond the food, how long do you think you could go without water? I'm eating some right now. <laughs> Excuse me, just for a second. How many? Three, seven? Well, yeah, it's, um, they say somewhere between seven and 14 days. Some will say between seven and 21. I don't know what it would be like or what it would look like without water after 21 days. I can't even imagine that. But it's, it just depends on your conditioning, kind of where, where you're at. Uh, I know I could probably go without food the full 40 days, but the water I'm not sure uh, it's hard to say. It just depends on the person. But that's about as long as a person could last without water, somewhere between 7 and 21 days. So the question this morning would be this for all of us. The question would be, if the Bible is food and water, if it's what gives us the strength and the sustenance that we need, as a, 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 what would the take to not have the biblical intake of the food and water? How long could we go without taking in the food or water of God's word as nourishment to our souls? That's, that's a good question. Some of us maybe have broken right on past the 80 days. I, I don't know. Only God knows between us and him. I spoke to someone last week that told me that because of scheduling and business that, and just not making time for the word, which had been going on for maybe about two weeks or so, that, that he could tell that he was basically spiritually kind of starving. It was, it was just not, it felt weak, and, and it's when the attacks of the enemy can come, and we just don't feel up to par, and, and he could just tell after just two weeks there was kind of a lack of power, a sense of weakness it was apparent. And he knew that it was essential that he get back into the word, back to the spiritual food that, that brings spiritual health. Have you ever been there? You've been away from it long enough and you start, you start getting hangry, don't you? And we know that as a food term, you know, and I'm hungry and I start barking at people, you know, and I'm just hungry, I'm hangry. Sometimes we're that way spiritually. We haven't taken in the food or the drink of the water, and, and people just, you're bugging me right now. You're bugging me right now. We get on each other's nerves, don't we? I never get on Goose's nerves. He never gets on mine. He's always got something to eat in his office. There's always something there that we can munch on if we're hungry. But we need our spiritual food that, 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 that feeds our soul. Now, we're not talking heaven, heaven and hell here. When we miss our daily readings and meditation, we're not destined for hell. We're, we're talking about our, our, our quality of life, our, our quality of our spiritual lives, our strength that is needed to come against the attacks of the enemy and, and, and to live victorious. Did you know that with God's word, the true bread and water, that we can live victorious? We can live above the, the attacks of the enemy. We can live above those things that come into our lives that kind of send us spiraling, spiraling a little bit. 
You see, with God's word, the true bread and the water, we can live victoriously, and I pray that you believe that. We, we do not have to be whipped around, yanked back and forth by the deceiver, and, and not, if we're, not if we've been fast, feasting on this word, feasting on the bread and the water of the living word of God. You see, God's word is nourishing, and it's cleansing water. But you see, Satan wants to drown us. The enemy wants to drown us, and he wants to starve us. But God wants to fill us. Did you get that? We'll, we'll look at it here from God's word in just a moment. But don't forget this. Satan, the enemy of our souls, he loves to counterfeit. He loves to counterfeit and pervert everything that God does in and for us. He wants to drown us and he wants to starve us, but God wants to fill us. We have a lot of Christians today that are stunted in their growth in Christ because they do not break open and eat and drink Spiritually speaking, read and take in the bread of life and, the, and drink the water of the living word each and every day. We need it every day. Oh, we get busy. It's okay. We get right back to it. So today we want to look at the Bible, our life-giving word from God as water. Last week was bread. This week is water. We want to see from God's word how bread and water are kind of tied together, meaning that the bread and the water is the word of God. The bread and the water is the Word of God. <clears throat> we want to see from God's Word just how that works, how bread and water are tied together. So get your Bibles or your devices, and let's look into God's Word this morning. By the way, uh, there were a few of you here last week that you've never heard of the Bible app, the, the Version Bible app. We thought that the whole world had heard of the Bible app, and not everybody has. And so you got it, and you put it on your device or your devices or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever you put it on, and you've testified that it's, been, it's helped you to be in the Word. That's good. Thanks be to God for the, for the good people in the ministry at Life.Church in Oklahoma for producing that Bible app. We give thanks to God for them. Any version you'd like to read from, it's there right at your fingertips. So let's open our, uh, our bread of life and our water of life and turn to some scriptures. You're not going to hear a lot of stories uh, this morning. Yeah, I know you're looking forward to that, but, but no, we're going to be a lot of scriptures, so just be ready to be kind of rocking through the word. Psalm 105, 40 through 41, it says this, the people asked, and he brought quail, and he satisfied them with the bread of heaven, the bread that came down from heaven. Now, that's what we talked about last week, but now look, as it says in 41, it says this, he opened the rock. He opened the rock and water gushed out of it. And it ran into the dry places like a river. A rock was opened up and water gushed out. Now, now, just so you know and understand, God's word is both literal and it is symbolic. There's a lot of things that mean things in there, but there are some things in there that are literal. They actually happened. You see, God did feed his people with real bread. And God provided the children of Israel manna or bread from heaven. And by the way, the word manna has a perfect meaning. Do you know what that meaning is, the meaning of the word manna? It means, what is this? It's a word that is a question. What is this? If you remember God giving the people that, that traveled in the wilderness, he gave them manna. So you can just imagine when they were first stooping over to pick up this, this bread we call it manna or this flaky whatever it was that God provided, that they looked down at it and they picked it up and they began to eat it. And, and, they, and what did they say? They said, what is this? Manna. 
And that's what it's called. That's the answer to the question is answered with the question. It's, it's manna from heaven. It's what is this? No charge. You can have that one for free. It's, there's no charge on that. Did you know it said, what is this? That's what manna means, the, the translation of that word. But you see, the bread that God provided, it represents something spiritual also. So what, what can be seen is that not only is there a literal bread that represents real and spiritual bread, there's also a literal rock. Where literal water came from, there was actually a rock that was open that water flowed from that represents a spiritual rock and a spiritual water. We see that because God opened the rock and water gushed out and it ran to the dry places like a river, it says. Now get ready. I pray you're, are you ready? The word also says that this rock followed them. Now, now try to figure that one out. You ever had a rock follow you? I mean, maybe downhill, I suppose, but, but uh, probably never had a rock follow you. Uh, and you've never had a burning bush burn but was not consumed. You've never seen uh, water parted that you walked over on dry land, never, uh, dry ground. You've never seen that. You see, this book is a, a book of supernatural occurrences. There's supernatural things that we can't figure it out. It can't be figured out. There are things from God's word that just can't be figured out because our God is a supernatural God. And sometimes we're going to look closely at it and say, what's that? What is it saying? That's weird. You ever read something and went, that's just kind of weird. It's because it's, we're, we're thinking it through in our natural minds, in our modern day experiences, and we read something and go, that's just a lot of weirdness going on in the Word of God. And we look at it and say, what's that? And the answer is the question, manna. It's God's word, it's, it's bread and it's water. What is that, we ask. And there are times when I don't know what it is, but it tastes good and it feeds my soul and I am nourished by it. Even when I don't understand it, it doesn't make sense to me, it's still the bread that comes down from heaven and the water which flows from the rock that followed and gives us life and it sustains our lives. Just so there is no mistake about it, the natural Mind alone cannot understand the book. This is a challenge for scientists and really, really smart people these days. Because the natural mind alone cannot understand God's word. The book needs to be spiritually discerned. And we'll see that in the scriptures in a minute. You see, sometimes people get overwhelmed with the word of God and what it possibly is saying to us. And they think that they're not smart enough. Or they're not educated enough. To understand it, but here's the most fantastic thing that you can know about God's word today. God's word is spiritual. And God's word is spiritually discerned. So thanks be to God, we don't need a $65,000 degree to understand the word of God this morning. What we need is to be in the word of God daily, listening to the spirit of who gives us understanding. But don't get me wrong. If you're in Bible classes or university classes, that's great. Keep doing that. You'll need it one day. You'll wish you had more. But you, you won't understand this book, no matter what degree is conferred upon you, unless God reveals his word to you and you spiritually discern it through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
You can purchase and work hard for a degree, but you can't purchase the spiritual revelation from God's word. Today, if you're a Christian and you want to survive, you're at some point going to have to read God's word. That seems like a no-brainer, but it's just true. It's a must. It's foundational for those who desire to be Christ followers. And if the only thing that we get out of this series is that we begin to or continue with great fervency the reading of God's word, then we'll have breakthrough in our lives. We will if we get into it, stay into it, or finally get into it. You see, there's really exciting stuff in God's word, a whole lot of it. And when we begin to see what God wants to convey to us, through his word, I believe that we will get excited about it all over again. You might feel like you're, you're back going through it all over again, and you've been here, done that. But I want you to know, it's as wide as it is, it's as deep as it gets. There's a deeper level that we can get to as God reveals himself to us afresh and anew, over and over again. We'll see how he's communicated to us, how he is loving us, providing for us, and guiding and guarding us as we make our way through this life. For this is not just another book. It's just not another piece of literature. It's not just what I want it to be. This book is God's self-written God story. It is God that gave us this book, and that's really exciting when you think about it. The actual, real words of God. So we have an Old Testament scripture where he opened the rock and the water gushed from it. And this is the literal, historic happening from God to the people. And now we go to the New Testament for a spiritual meaning. It's found in 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. Get ready, this is good. We, we read now, God fed them and he gave them drink. But look at 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. It says this, all ate the same spiritual food. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank from the same spiritual drink. Not just actual food and water, but the spiritual food and the spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, it says there. And you might remember that the cloud went before them in the day and the fire by night as as they wandered in the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit that led them. You see, the rock was Christ, and water represents the word. We'll look at some more scriptures in a minute, but water represents the word of God. You see, there's a war of words or beliefs going on in our world and culture. You see it every day, whether it's on the news or in your social media feeds or your computers or your phones, wherever you find words from other people. It's a war of words that's going on, and and words are just uh, audible formulations of what we believe. Spoken words are just audible formulations of what we believe. And the question is this, what words will each of us choose to believe? Which words will we choose to believe that we're hearing? Will it be the scientific words? Is is that what we'll choose to believe? Will it be the pop culture words of what is important for the day that we live? Or will it be the words of God or the word of God? I saw a story this week. There was a British woman that was so disillusioned with dating that she married her golden retriever on British television. Yeah, it actually happened. It's ridiculous. And it's not a legal marriage, but folks, give it time. 
Who'd ever thought that we would be debating the abortion of a baby after it's after it's born? As far back as I can remember, that was always called murder. But here we are. There's a war of words, and we have to decide what words we're going to believe. There's a And the book that we read from, it is the bread of life and rivers of living water that are true. And Satan says this to us. Is that really true? Did God actually say that? Are you sure that's, because that sounds a little far-fetched, are you sure that's what God said? So here's the point for today. Satan is the author of confusion. He brings doubt. He is a counterfeit at everything that he does, and he desires to take our attention away from what is God's best for our lives. And he wants to place place our gaze on things of the flesh, things of the natural, not the spiritual. He wants us to see the natural things, not the spiritual things, off of the spiritual and on to the physical. And we'll look at two things that Satan wants for us and one thing that God wants for us. Satan wants to drown us with his words. He wants to starve us from God's word, but God wants to fill us with his word. So let's look at the word together. Number one, Satan wants to drown us. Satan is trying to and wants to drown us with words. By the way, there's a real Satan. Some go, I don't believe there's a devil. Okay. This particular word speaks that there really is an enemy of of our souls. There is a devil and a Satan. I know we've grown up with it in cartoons, and it seems he's over here and the other guy's over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Right? We can read it in Revelation 12, 9, and then into 12, 15. It says this, So the great dragon, the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He thought he could be God. He found out he could not be God. So we can see that who the word is speaking to uh, at this point right here in Revelation, it's the devil. It's the enemy. It's Satan and his legions, however many there are. Revelation can be hard to understand at times, but here John is letting us know in plain language that the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan is who he's talking about. And then in verse 15 it says this, so the serpent spewed water. That's odd. The serpent spewed water out of his mouth, it says, like a flood. After the woman, and here the woman represents the church, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now think about that today. What is it that comes from our mouths? What is it that we cannot control? And it comes out in a continual gushing. It's our words. The words that come out of our mouths. We are in a war of words today, and Satan spews water or words out of his mouth. He's after the church. That would be the woman that represents the church there in Revelation. He spews water or words that she, the church, we, you, me, us, might be carried away. 
You ever had a flood of words come against you? Ever felt that sting? They might sound something like this. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You were an accident. Or you're stupid. We don't ever say that in our house growing up. We got in trouble for that, didn't we? Can't say stupid. There's a flood of words that come to us. These are a flood of words from the enemy, from Satan, who wants to flood you and overwhelm you with doubt and fear. He'll tell you that maybe you're not strong enough. Maybe you won't live that long. He'll bring doubt. You should probably think about your own needs. Why bother with others when you're the one in need? Your marriage won't last long. Maybe you should look for someone new. You're in the wrong occupation or school. God doesn't like you. He's mad at you. You should work harder to please him. You should be a better Christian. You should forget about being a Jesus follower altogether. It's too hard. Tithing just doesn't work. Ever had your own dad tell you after he and your mom divorced that your mom isn't interested in seeing you? My dad did. You see, whether it's from the enemy himself or Satan using the words from others, it's a flood of words coming from the enemy that seeks to derail you, to divide you, to discourage you, and to drown you. You see, the water represents the words that come from us. David writes about it. We can look at Psalm 90, or 69, 1 through 2 in the book of Psalm. Save me, O God, from the waters, for the waters have come up to my neck, it says. I sink deep in the mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. David's not talking about literal water here. He's talking about his enemies. Read through Psalm 69. You'll see that he's speaking about all his enemies. It's a flood of words that are coming to him. David, you're not going to be king. Absalom is going to take the throne from you. How about this one? God's getting back at you for your sin. You're being punished by God for your sin. You ever heard that whispered to you? You're going to have to make it up. You've blown it again. You have to work harder for God. Listen, I want you to know today that if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God can never punish you for your sin because he's already punished Jesus. So that's a wrong conversation that's going on inside of us. Oh, a flood of words. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him convince you of something that according to God's word is not true. David says, I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Then in verse 14 through 15 of Psalm 69, he says, deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me not be delivered or, or, or let me be delivered from those who hate me, his enemies, and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water Overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit, which is hell, let not the pit shut its mouth on me. And if we're still not convinced that water is words, let's look at Psalm 93, 3 through 4. It says this, the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord is on high. He is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. 
You see, in our lives, the enemy is coming to lift up his voice as a mighty flood, his voice speaking words of floods that come at us that are negative, that are lies about us and to us. And those flood of words that want to come to overtake us and bring fear and doubt and confusion. But look at it in verse 4. This is a great promise, a fantastic statement. It says this, the Lord on high is mightier. He's mightier than the noise of many waters or words. Mightier than the mighty waves of the sea. You see the Lord's voice. His words are louder. They're mightier than the enemy. Loud enough to drown out the mighty waves of the sea of words that come against us. So we can see that Satan can talk. And and God can talk louder. But there's another person in this equation. You and I can talk. Let me say it another way. When I was younger, when I was just a kid, sometimes my mouth would get me in trouble. You can't imagine that, can you? Compliant Rob? You're a lot like me. She she knows who she is. My words would get me in trouble. I just, I don't know. They're going to come out. It's a funny one-liner. I got to speak it. You ever had that happen to you? Have your own words, have your own flood of words even gotten you in a, ever gotten you in a pickle? Like, you go to the office. I remember hearing that a lot. You go to the office. You see, deep waters or floods, they represent words, and the Word of God is a fountain. The Word of God is a fountain. We sang about this morning in first service. We sang, drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul is satisfied. Wonderful and bountiful supply. If you grew up in the church, you know what that that is. If you didn't, you'll go, what's that? I had a guy in Texas. I went to a church in Texas. There is a story, after all. And uh, uh, when we got there, they were all contemporary. Contemporary. We didn't do any hymns. And I remember I picked out a hymn, and it was one that we were going to put a beat to. So we put a beat to it, and we sang it, sang it, sang it, sang it. And after church, this guy from, he was, has a charismatic background. He's never probably ever sang a hymn in his life. He come running up to the front. And he goes, what was that new song this morning? That's a great song. What was that song this morning? I said, well, which one are you talking about? That, that new one. I said, the new one. Oh, I said, that's from like 1748. <laughs> Springs of living water, happy now am I. My soul is satisfied. We, we drink at the spring of living water. We drink in the very breath of God as we ingest the word of God, as we read it and take it in. That's how powerful the word of God is. It's a fountain with springs of living water that come forth. Water. And when we build our house upon this rock, who is Jesus, when the floods come up against the house that's built on the rock, it'll stand. It brings up another song. Do you remember that one? The wise man built his house upon the rock. All these camp songs. I don't know, children's church and camp songs. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the floods came a-tumbling down. The rains came up and the floods came down. Or no, it's the other way. The rains came down and the floods came up. Yeah, you got to work it the right way. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. That rock is Jesus. You see, not only 
Are they waters and floods? They are words, but each of us have words also. You and I, we have our words, and we can drown ourselves. Look at Proverbs 6.2. Proverbs 6.2. You are snared by the words of your mouth, it says. You are taken by the words of your mouth. And then in Proverbs 18.4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. We all can actually talk ourselves right into trouble. We can actually be in bondage because of our own words. I'll give you one more, Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, this doesn't mean that I speak and then someone literally dies. No, what it means is that God speaks. God speaks into our lives words of life. And Satan speaks into our lives words of death. And then you and I, we use our words to agree or to disagree. We each have the power to agree with one or the other. Here's the question. With, our, with your own words, your own water or your own flood of words, who is it that you're agreeing with today? Whose words are you retelling with your own words that have life or death power over you or your children or your parents today? You see, there's a remedy for the negative flood that comes. Let's look at Isaiah 59, 19. Isaiah 59, 19, it says this, so, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against them. You see, the word of God is our standard. It's our playbook. Last week I said, it's our instructions from what's that store called? The Ikea. You want to you put one of those together without the instruction sheet? No, you don't. It's our standard. It, it, it's above all that I think or all that I, I believe or all that I, I, I uh, make in myself the center of my own universe. It's a standard that's outside of myself. So I can stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I can stand on it and it is secure and it gets me through. I don't have to make myself my own God. It is my standard. If you have to live by my standard, there's always, it's always going to fail you. If I have to live by your standard, it's always going to fail me. But if we live by God's standard, it'll provide sure footing for the lives that we lead. You see, the Word of God is a standard. It is the answer to the negative flood that comes. So number one, Satan wants to drown us with a flood of words. And Satan wants to starve us from the Word of God. Number two, he wants to starve us. The enemy doesn't want us to hear the word of God. He desires that we starve to death without the fountain of life or the living water, the bread of life, because it is the water from, from the, this fountain that will save us for eternity and for the enemy's plan to, to thwart God's plan for our lives. That's what he wants to do. He wants to starve us from the word of God. Let's look at it there in Amos. When was the last time you've been in Amos? In your, in your reading of God's word. Amos 8.11, it says this, Behold, the days are coming that the Lord God, uh, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There's a day coming, 
And folks, if you listen close enough, there's a famine in our world today of hearing the inspired word of God. There are many speaking words, but not all are speaking the inerrant, plenary, full, and complete words of God. And I pray each week personally, I pray, God, help me. Help me, lead me, and guide me into bringing your words, not my words, your thoughts, not my thoughts, that, I'm, that I might bring you the standard from God's word your springs of living water, the truth from your holy word. God, help me to bring only that. We all should be in the word every day. We should hide it in our hearts. The the word says that I might not sin against God. And if it's not hard enough to understand, we look at Mark 4, 14 and 15. The sower sows. It's about sowing and reaping. It says the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, it says when they hear, Satan comes immediately and he takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. Now, now this would seem kind of contradictory to the, the other one that says about hiding God's word in our heart that we might not sin against God. But listen, here's what I believe. Remember we said that God speaks And Satan speaks also, and then we can speak, and we either agree with our words, we either agree with God's words or Satan's words. But you see, when we speak, ask yourself, from where do I speak? Where do my words come from? Matthew 12, 34 answers this for us. It says this, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, The mouth speaks. You see, God sows the word or someone preaches or or teaches, a Sunday school teacher teaches the word, sowing into our hearts the good seed, and immediately Satan tries to get us to speak something that is in direct opposition to the word that we just heard. Well, I don't know if I believe that. I better go to Google. Google can help me with that. The word that we just heard, Satan wants to come and steal it. And and, and we're going to speak something about that. It might be in our minds. It might be together. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when we speak out those words, it leaves our heart. Those words that do not agree with God's word, it leaves our hearts. So our challenge then is this, that when the word is sown into our hearts, when we hear it spoken or preached or taught, that we immediately hide it in our hearts, that we meditate on it, that we memorize it. We need to hold on to it, ponder it like Mary did, pondered in her heart the words she had heard. We have to hold fast to the word of life so that we may rejoice in the day of Christ that we have not run in vain or labored in vain, the word says in Philippians. Otherwise, Satan will try to get me to speak something that disagrees with what God has just told me. And when I speak out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak something in in opposition to God's word and the word can leave my heart because I'm I'm the one that just spoke it out. And the enemy came to take it. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that we, that was just sown into our hearts. So Satan, he tries to drown us with a flood of words and he tries to starve us with the word of God, from the word of God. And lastly, here's the good news and not the gnu, gnu, what was that? Whatever, the good news. (laughs) 
God wants to fill us with his spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 14. The word says this in, in 2, 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, with which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, he says here, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know, which in the Greek means to understand. He can't know or understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, there are two kinds of conversations that take place in our lives. There are the natural and there are the spiritual conversations. And when the people are reading the when people are reading the Bible with just their natural eyes, they cannot know or receive the things of God. They're, they're not naturally understood. Oh, we can process them. They're smart people. We can process them, but we can't truly understand and know and receive the things that are spiritual with just the natural mind. They can receive salvation, but they cannot know with their natural understanding because the things of God, his word, is spiritually discerned and understood. You see, God's word's a spiritual book that was written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. We can see this taking place in John 4, 7 through 14. John, you know the story well. It's the woman at the well. But listen to the natural and the spiritual conversation that's happening right during this dialogue between Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4, 7 through 14. We start out with a natural in verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Just normal every day. They went, Hey, I'm thirsty. Get me a drink. Oh, okay. And then we move to, to verse 9. There's the natural reasoning. For the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? A Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You know, they had trouble in that day too, didn't they? We got problems today. They had problems in that day too, and and long before that, that day also. Once again, a natural reasoning. Hey, there's something that goes on between us, and we're not even supposed to talk to one another, and you're talking to me, and what am I supposed to get you a drink with? So Jesus then goes to the spiritual in verse 10. Jesus answers and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink. Those, those have got to be powerful words. I wonder what she began to sense and feel right in that moment. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. She goes back to a natural response. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is very deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? She goes right into her old history. Greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? How is this supposed to happen? Jesus goes back to spiritual. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, the one down in the hole. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, Jesus isn't speaking about natural water. 
He's speaking about a spiritual thirst and a spiritual drink. So there's a natural and a spiritual conversation that goes on. You maybe, maybe even remember before you were ever a Christian when people might say stuff to you about God's word. You'd be like, whatever. What are you talking about? Maybe there's some good stuff in there that can be shared and we can live according to that. That's a good. Shouldn't, shouldn't murder people. That's a good one, right? Shouldn't, shouldn't covet your neighbor's stuff. You know, yeah, I shouldn't probably do that. You know. And then it gets into some things that you go, well, I don't know about that, you know. It's just a book. There's a natural and a spiritual conversation that goes on in our lives. And Jesus says that we can drink of this spiritual water and that it will become a fountain of water or words, a fountain of words from within us springing up into everlasting life. I got another song that comes to mind. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison's door, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Springing up, oh well, splish, splash, splish, splash. You that's camp. Sorry, Goose. You, you still do that splish, splash, splash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to sing that. i got a river of life. It's a river of life, a river, a, a river of words that spring up into everlasting life. And Satan's plan is to drown us. But Jesus wants to put a fountain of living water that wells up from within us, bringing everlasting life to, to ourselves and to those that are around us. And what does this fountain do? It washes from the inside out. A wellspring of God's word that cleanses us from deep within. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 says this. Husbands, this is where you get nervous, guys. Husbands. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Guys, you ought to speak over your wives what God's word says about your wife. I told mine this morning, I said, you're, you're beautiful you're wonderful. You're everything I ever dreamed of. And she's like, move on. Just move on. You, God created you for me from the very first day that we met, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't go out with me. I just wanted to go have a Pepsi, kind of. You know, you go get a Diet Pepsi together. It's at least time in the car together, right, and across at Wendy's or wherever we sat. And, and just, I just wanted to. You'll like me if we get to have a Pepsi together. And she wouldn't at first. She had a boyfriend back home. And so, well, it's going to take a little longer then. We should speak over the words, the words that God gave me from the very first day. We, 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 we got together and we went to the lake. <laughs> no, no. We went to the lake and we, what did you think I meant? Yeah, no, we went to the lake and we talked about the Lord in our lives. We talked about what God was, had been doing in our lives since we were younger and we were only, she's only 18, and, and we talked about what our families were like and how we were raised and how we had some similarities but very different in some ways also, but we talked about our faith in, in Christ. We fogged up the windows at the lake talking about God being in our lives and what God wanted to do in our lives. Don't, no, don't even put that on me. At least that's what I told the head resident when he knocked on the door, right? 
No, 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 that's what we talked about. And so when God, when, when we came together, it was of God from day one. We never had to wonder, never had to worry. Have we ever fought? Sure. Only when she was wrong. No, 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 no. No, usually it's me. You might want to re, re, fix that on the tape back there. No, it's, it's when we start thinking about ourselves as the center of our universe when the standard is God's word. And as long as we've kept our focus on who God is and he's our standard, much higher or greater or better than we've ever hoped to be, it's kept our marriage Strong. Not without problems, but strong. 36 years now. It's hard to believe that I turned 38 today. <laughs> you see, God's word can wash us. It can cleanse us and purify us. You see, our spirits are cleansed by the blood, but our souls are cleansed by the word. Did you get that? Our spirits are cleansed by the blood. But our souls are cleansed by the word, the, the water, the washing of God's word. And the enemy comes to drown us with his flood of words, the negative words. And Satan wants to starve us from the word of God. But lastly, God wants to fill us with his spirit. It would make all the difference in the world. Well, I have rights. I don't. My rights were buried with him in baptism and raised in newness of life. Yeah, but you can't treat me that way. Tell it to Jesus. For some of us here today, this has been going on for a long time. We are drowning in the negative words that come from the enemy or from others. And we've even, with our own words, we've agreed with those words. The enemy came and said, you're not good enough. And you thought, I don't think I'm good enough. He said, you should work harder to gain acceptance from God. He said, maybe if I serve in the nursery or fifth grade boys, uh, may, maybe then God would accept me. I can't seem to find friends. Why, does pe- why do people treat me like that? There must be something wrong with me. Drowning in the negative words that come from the enemy and from others. And we've even agreed with them with our own words. We need to begin to identify the conversation that begins right up here. Because it usually starts, you shouldn't try that. There's other people that can do that. You're not quite that. And then we'll go, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. And then the enemy go, yeah, but if you'd work a little harder, if you, if you just jump through a little, few more hoops, if you just, and then later, it's, you should just quit the church. You should just quit Christianity. I mean, I don't know what you think. You, you really think this is true? What if it's all a big hoax? And those words flood in, and, and we engage them. we got to identify that voice. That's not God's voice, and we shouldn't engage with it. You know how we should engage with it? In the name of Jesus, you must flee. Because at the name of Jesus... The enemy must flee. James, I believe. 
And when we agree with our own words about what the enemy has been whispering to us, we use our own words to agree for out of the abundance of our heart we have spoken and the enemy has starved us. He's taken the word from us. It feels like defeat. It feels like we'll never get ahead of this negativity. We'll never get the voices out of our heads. Why do they always come back? It can feel like a trap or a cage. And hopelessness sets in. And the enemy enemy thinks he's got us. But you see, God wants to fill us. And I believe that he wants to do that for us this very day. We today can have a wellspring springing up from within us And we can drink from his spiritual well today that will bring forth a fountain of living water that wells up from within us, bringing everlasting life. A well that will wash us and cleanse us. We need to stop agreeing with the flood of the words from the enemy and start speaking God's word over our lives and over the lives of our families and our friends. Are you drowning this morning? Are you starving and come to the waters. No charge. It will cost you everything. But there's no charge. We used to sing, And Jesus said, Come to the water, Stand by my side. I know you are thirsty. You won't be denied. I felt every teardrop. When in darkness you cry. And I strove to remind you that for those tears I died. Are you drowning? Are you hungry? Thirsty? Stand with me this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just asked that question. Are you drowning this morning? Are you starving? Have you bought into the words that just seemed like you were having a conversation with yourself? And yet that's not the case. It wasn't your conversation. It was the enemy who was flooding you with negative words, lies about who you are and what God thinks of you. And what God thinks of you today is magnificent. He gave his life for you. And you can ask him to fill that space. Fill us, Lord. with your spirit of God, with your words that come from the word of God. Before we go this morning, I would just ask, are you starving? Are you thirsting this morning? I want to pray for you. I would just ask if that's you, that you would just, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand that I might pray for you. You're hungry for the things of God. Don't want the enemy stealing that from you. You're going to have to use your words that agree with God's word. Yes. I want to pray for you. Father, you see the hands. We've all been there. Those negative words. Some of them started way back when we were children. Some of them started when something happened to us that was terrible. And we begin to think negatively about ourselves, and the enemy stoked that fire, and we bought into it. 
Lord, may we never believe those negative things ever again. Might we, might we speak the word of God, the, the, the bread of life, the, the floods of living waters that wants to come out of your word and wash us and cleanse us from the inside out afresh and anew. I pray that would be the case for us this day. Lord, would you do that for these that have raised their hands, even if those that haven't. Lord, they, they call out to you today, Lord, and say, fill that empty space. Fill it with your presence, God. Fill it with your word. And may I never believe that old lie of the enemy again we thank you and praise you Lord that you you want to fill us and we can rely on this standard this living water this bread of life that is true we thank you for it Lord bless these your people that call out to you today grant them the promises that your word promises to us We want to give you all the thanks and praise. Lord, would you go with this group of people? May we be an impact on our community. May may only the wellspring of living water, the words that come out of us, be in agreement with your word that we might bless and bring everlasting life to others that are in our influence group, Lord. We give you thanks for it. We ask your blessing as we go from this place this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you. Bless you.